man? You hear the song? Can you hear the song? Can you hear great, man. Can you guys, before I ask, let me start over. Let me start. So you guys know who I am, Brett Barish. I own a bunch of liquor brands. Uh, uh, my past brands, Ace of Spades, Doucet, my current brands, Bel Air, Bamboo, McQueen. I started this interview series a couple of years ago. I think we're on season five where I get to interview everybody from uh, uh, Holo, Rick Ross, uh, Nipsey, DJ Khaled, Post Malone, sports people, all sorts of crazy people who've made it. And uh, what I like to hear is uh, the shit that they went through to getting there, which I call the self-made side, because I can appreciate that. So I'll start it. But for both of you, and you'll have different answers, what does self-made mean? It's a great question, man. Um, to me, man, self-made is doing things the way that you want to do them. Uh, because I think if, if I've personally learned one thing in this business, it's there are so many politics always at play. Not even just this business, but so many businesses. And to me, it's like, if, if you play those games too much, you lose a piece of yourself. And something that we're always trying to do is listen to our guts and our initial instincts and go, do we believe in, in us as people or do we believe in what you are trying to get us to do for whatever you know, motive or motivation behind, behind the thing? So um, I'm always trying to stay authentic and vulnerable. I know that he is as well. And I think that that has... has allowed us to move forward constantly. David, how about you? Yeah, uh, I think I maybe took a slightly more literal approach to it, but self-made, and I think it has to do with putting yourself into making something. And like, mm -hmm. I think that's that, I think in, it leads to a very similar path, which leads to authenticity. It, it leads to, I also thought work ethic, like when I think of self-made, I think of like, actually being willing to do the walking, do the hard work, rolling up the sleeves and like just actually putting everything you have and saying, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but this is how much time I have. And I'm going to just keep trying towards this to, to, to let it, something clicks into place, you know? So I can, I, I can relate to both your answers and you guys don't know me, but when I started this company, I was 31 years old. It's about 20 years ago. And the fuck up we had for five years was literally not trusting my gut. Was when anybody ever said anything. So this is a great example. I've got this brand Bel Air, which is about to become the number one wine in the United States. It's that big. It's amazing. Congrats, right. man. But when, when, when I went to our distributors and I showed them this brand, they said, you can't put it in a black bottle. You can't do that because you can't see the liquid. You can't start with rosé because you got to start with a brute, which is the gold color. You can't compete with Moet and Vouve. And if it was 10 years earlier, I would have listened and changed everything. I would have changed everything. But it's, it's crazy. But the more people tell me to change something, the more I feel like I'm right. I'm on the right <laughs> path. Does that – when did it click for you? Because – Sometimes the gut side of realizing things is because you'd stop trusting your gut. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it becomes a huge challenge when you're in a business 
and you mix your passion with that because I think something that you were alluding to is uh, you, you start to have outside opinions and yeah. like maybe valid like I don't I don't necessarily think everything is just strictly binary like hey this is a, this person is going to give me great advice all the time it's all very very personal and situational you know too and so but the more you invite outside opinions because they're necessary I mean right before we're sitting here talking we're we're, we're discussing, you know, how we can physically cover the things that we're doing just by ourselves. So you have to start to have hands, you have to, and it becomes a, a, a challenge of like leadership effectively in turning like, do I trust these opinions or do I trust my gut in terms of what got us here? And constantly having to like, I think having a good reference on like, what your motivations are and why you do what you do. And maybe there's a consciousness to, to your business or whatever, like whatever it is, that's what you have to keep checking in with. And our gut has led us through crazy freaking turns and it's always felt like it's been the right way for us. I mean, we were just put in a situation where um, we have a new record that we wrote last year and we knew we wanted to drop it this year. Well, obviously with COVID and all this shit that's happening, um, a lot of stuff got in the way and then we had people on our team being like, hey, pause, postpone, we're, we're going to wait on this record. The thing is, our guts were saying, people need music and hope now more than ever, right? Because we're in fucking chaos. That's yeah. art is what really helps kind of motivate and push societies forward, in my opinion. So for us to just delay because it's a good business decision, well, fuck that, because we're trusting that the music is going to speak to people when it needs to speak to people. And that's what's, what's going to benefit in the long term. So like, it's just outweighing decisions like that. And, and it's hard sometimes, man. Do you feel that uh, in that same vein, the idea that uh, at the end of the day, because at some point in my life and I, I feel it, I felt it was, you know what, if I'm going to fuck this up, I want it to be my decision. I don't want it to let it be somebody else's. Is can you relate to that in terms of your music and the way you approach things? Uh, I'll actually, dude, I'll share a very similar quote that uh, we both bonded on because we both happened to be uh, to read. Uh, I don't remember the title of it. I think it's "The Long Road to Hell." It's Marilyn Manson's biography, and <clears throat> I, I don't remember the direct quote, but it's something like, <clears throat> "It's not so much that." his he felt his own ideas were better than everybody else's he just felt like if he had to go down so like fighting and, and to support and to live and breathe like why would you go with someone else's idea that you don't really believe in as much as the one that you had right there sure. so it's like i mean we both really resonated with that because what people try to say stuff all the time and, and what What's the story between you two hooking up? How did that happen? Um, so I was in a previous band at the time and we have a mutual friend of ours here in Austin that connected us. And basically I was hiring my buddy to produce and then he had his own studio and he was like, hey, I've got this dude who's, who's a really great engineer. He would be awesome for the project. Um, we ended up sitting down and meeting and then kind of through that, I ended up realizing he was actually ended up being the producer because he was just like the ideas he was bringing forth was fucking crushing. And when it came time, when that band ended and Missio started, I was like, dude, I got to work with, with David again. 
And sure enough, like at that time, randomly, he and his wife were looking for a roommate. So I ended up moving in with them, which is what ultimately <laughs> led to us having our working relationship because we were working all day, every day, because we were just always kicking it together. So it would be like 11 o'clock at night, and we're like, hey, you want to like write a song or want to like knock some work out? And we would just like get in the habit of just working all the time. And uh, it's ever since then, it's just been like, yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> I credit, it's like we both had like a very similar work ethic, which was yep. an insane one. We both, um, I think, had cut our teeth in different ways in the music business from past experiences and had really wanted to like desire to have a project that was just like trimmed of all of the fat, like all of the unnecessary pieces that didn't really function in a like sometimes it's hard to have a democracy in a songwriting session you know so it's like we got rid of all that and it was just us and uh for that was that was my background coming from bands and whatnot um and so yeah it, it and then the other side of it is so having a, a similar vision but also having a similar skill a different set of skill sets like a lot of the things he naturally was gifted at in terms of just uh the melody and, and chord structures and stuff and then with my background in production and engineering there was like a just a, a great kind of complementary set of skills was was your i'm just i'm just reading into it was your struggles collectively individually and together it kind of removed that if you know what i mean i would say so because because there are I would say I'm learning to be a good producer, but I'm not like a great producer. He's a great producer and a great engineer. So when it comes to like our working relationship, he is definitely, I'm able to learn from him and he's able to kind of fill the gaps and vice versa. So uh, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Is, was Middle Finger the big breakout success for you guys? Uh, yeah, there's probably arguable ones. We had a few moments before that where we kind of well, forget forget what I said. What was what was the first thing for you guys that said, "Oh shit, something's we got something here." I think uh, shit, man. <laughs> well, the very like like again, like I think the to take it one step further, the like we got something here, like the thing that caused the we to happen because again, he moved in and we I was producing the Missio record, which was his solo record. And then we released a song called I Run To You. It was I Run To You, right? Yeah, I Run To You. And uh, it like, internet magic happened. It was like, cool. And people started listening to it and it like, you know, Matthew emailed a bunch of blogs. Um, we got people that just kind of shared the love and it ended up hitting on, charting on Hype Machine. And then- Where did you guys put it out? On SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud. So, so literally, dude, I, I ended up, so this is like self-made story for sure, because I knew nothing about the music industry. I, I knew nothing about anything. And so I just randomly reached out to this guy who, who went by the artist named Notes Art, uh, based out of Brooklyn, I think. And I just said, hey, man, I dig what you do. Um, I just want to tell you that. All right, bye. <laughs> and then we ended up kind of conversing back and forth. And he sent me this entire list of blogs with like emails, phone numbers, direct contacts. I was like, dude, this is your hard earned, like you sure. worked really hard to make this spreadsheet. Why are you just giving it to me? And he was like, well, dude, I believe in what you're doing. So when it came time to just drop that first track online, SoundCloud, I, I remember the first night it hit 
1,500 plays, which, you know, when you're a brand new artist, that's a shitload of plays. And it was like, okay, and then it just started kicking in the algorithm more and more and more, and all these uh, European agents and managers were hitting the Missio email up, and I was like, the fuck, dude? Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand how this is working. Yeah. Did you think that song was a good song? Was it more just you put it out there and then you saw what people were reacting to it? You know what I mean? I think it was the vulnerability that came along with that song. It was written about a very real topic in my life and something I'd experienced. And I think people resonated with it in that raw, honest way where it was like, oh shit, this is hitting me in a way that some songs just don't. And I think that's why it started resonating. Were you shocked that you mentioned Europe? Were you shocked that you saw your fans who were, who were or sorry, those who appreciated the song, I don't know if they're fans yet, were from Europe? Oh, dude. I, 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 coming from a place where I'm like, I'm working at an antique boot shop at the time, you know, and like I'm, I'm also playing my keyboards, just like in all these random bands to release one song in a, in a second online and then to see people from the UK and Germany and all these places listening to your song, it's like, the fuck? Like, yeah, that's, that's the power of the internet right there is connecting us in such a short period of time. It blew my mind, dude. Yeah. Did I mean, you, did, uh, I interviewed, I don't know if you know the artist, Russ? Yeah. Um, so Russ said the same thing and I, and he, he, and to me, I love the idea that you're leaning in on something where you're seeing success, so lean in on it. And I remember him telling me the same thing, put it on SoundCloud. He saw he had fans in like Washington, in the, in the state of Washington. And he's like, I'm going there. I'm going to go find those people and I'm going to fucking love them. And then he finds out he's got fans and they think he's Middle Eastern. He's got fans in the Middle East. He's like, I'm going there. And he just <laughs> built... He built off of where his fans were, which is that's where leaning in matters because you're 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 not running away from them. You're saying, "Look, I'm gonna lean in on you because you like me, and I'm gonna show you some love right back." And he kept building from that. Did 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 that happen for you guys in Russia? I mean, literally, we had this random email come in uh, to a junk box inbox, and it was these giant promoters in Russia who wanted us to go play festivals. We ended up going over there playing these festivals. And then we've never played a headline show there yet. Uh, unfortunately, one of our, our last show there was canceled because of COVID. But dude, we were set to play a 1700 cap show as a first time headliner in Russia. It's, it was like, to your point, leaning in on that. And I have no idea why Russians love Missio so much, but like insane. Like, we're going to go back and play, I think, a 2,500-cap club when shows start opening up. It's like, how the fuck does that happen? How do, no how do they even know? How does that happen, right? <laughs> YouTube. I, I don't know, man. It's crazy. No, 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 but in, in, not in that sense, but, like, it, you're, you've got this following. I just get a kick out of it. To this day, when someone knows my brand, I'm, like, in awe. I'm in shock. I can't believe it. Um, does it go away for you? Does that Has that gone away, that the fact that people – they recognize you or they know your music or is it still fresh? I think it's hard. Like, uh, when these times, everything is so digital, especially right now. Like I know, um, the moment we went over and played in Moscow, for example, for the first time and played a big festival to thousands of people like, and they, even though, you know, English is not their singing 
the words to not just the middle fingers, but literally every every track. Yeah, at them, I mean, I just it's like, how did this even happen? And that, like, I think when you actually see it with your eyes, it's it's like it takes it to another level. You know? Are and you we, guys? Signed? Go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Matt. I, I was, I was going to say, it was, it was weird when we showed up to our hotel in Russia and there were like girls waiting for us. And you're just like, I don't know you. I've never met you before, yeah. but you know where our hotel is and you're just like camping out. Like, I, I just, it's just a weird, it's, it's a weird feeling that I, I don't think I'll ever like lose sight of that. I don't know. When, when was this? When was this? Uh, this was last July. It's still, it's still fresh, though. It's still fresh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are you guys signed by a major? Yeah, we were, so we were with RCA first, um, and then we just got off RCA, and we're with BMG now, who's kind of like a major indie, but a lot more artist-friendly. Uh, and they've been amazing partners for us because they let us do what we want to do, and they offer really good insight. But the creative control is still ours to where we can make whatever decisions we want to make without feeling pressure. So I have a silly question, but to me, it's relatable for me. The biggest problem I had growing up was I had lots of ideas, lots of direct, lots of ideas. And I never picked one, never picked one. And you guys are playing with pop rock, with electronic, with hip hop. Do you, is that, the opportunity or is that difficult the fact that you can play in different like how do you decide how do you mix it how do you how do you know what direction you want to go i think it's a the real answer is when we're in the studio like i think it's just super fun and wherever we have a a pretty diverse set of uh musical influences in that I, I think we both just love, love, love music and believe in in a lot of different genres from like hip hop to like classical to like cinematic music. And like, we kind of bonded off of like this, like whatever kind of, I think Missio takes it like further and further, whatever that feeling is, we try to take it to the extreme of it. And we just follow those feelings. And so if we're feeling like uh, a banger song that you just, can imagine, uh, you know, being played monstrously loud with huge low end. Some days we feel like that, and those are those songs come out. You know? And you just go, you're just going with it. You're just going with it. Yeah, but it's also kind of like a lot of times it ends up being a pain in the ass because industry wise, when you're trying to market yourself, then we're faced with all these like, well, well, we could we could fit on that playlist with this one song, Correct. but that's probably about it, you know. And it becomes a, it's a blessing and a curse, you know. But, but again, it goes to, it goes to trusting your gut because yeah. like for us, although there's a lot of artists who do this and then this, yes. for us, it's a very slow and steady climb where our streams go up and up and up and up, even though you can't necessarily pinpoint what we are. Our fans go, I don't give a fuck. I just love that there's a variety and they listen more and more and more. So it's cool on that front. So uh, you have a fan who wrote the following. I'm just going to read this because when I read this, I fucking loved it. He says, they're like Imagine Dragons, except awesome and on cocaine. <laughs> and I literally thought it's the greatest single line I've ever heard. <laughs> I loved That's it. Sick. But does that, like, if you read that, 
Like it would make me just feel so good about myself. Like, does it, you know, again, it, I, I guess it's still, does it feel, does it, does that feel like that matters to you? You know what I mean? Honestly, I, yeah, you, that, that definitely does. But I feel like we both kind of, if I'm honest, have a chip on our shoulder because overwhelmingly, like, like it, it's become kind of a joke because we'll release something and like 20 people will post, why isn't this band bigger? Why does not, why haven't people heard about this? And so I think for hearing all of that and like, A, like it just bonds us all together. And like, we, I don't know, we have a chip on our shoulder, I guess. And, and I think that, because of our personalities, that just reinforces the fact that we don't give a fuck and we're gonna do even more what we're gonna do, wanna do. And then like, it's cool that now it feels like we're in this place for the first time in like really like, what, three to five years, depending on when you wanna really say we started. For the first time, I think we're really confident enough in what we do, just what we do. Like right here in Austin, Texas, going right down the street, press and record and putting it out. We're confident enough now in what we do that that we, it's gonna. I guess we can set the set the whole stream up to just continue to work like that. Well, you know? and, and the thing that helps too is like it's easy to lose sight of our immediate fan base and go, "Oh, we need all these people all over here to come be Missio fans." But when you remember, okay, we have this group of Missio Mafia fans, right? That we're trying to make sure that they're taken care of. When you, when you think about just them, and then somebody comes in, even with like negative comments, then we go, okay, well, fuck you guys, because we didn't do this for you, and you're yeah. clearly not on the inside, so go away. And then it's just like, it's, it's easier to not let that stuff get to you, because if you're always focusing on the group that you have, more people to that group. So, so I always try to remind myself of that, because otherwise we'll lose sight of all the people who are already Could here. You could you pick out the Missio Mafia fans in a lineup? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we always like give me give three or four words to describe them. Um, very sensitive. They're very, very sensitive and empathetic. Um, we have what we call the Missio moms, which are like, I'd say moms over the age of 45 that, are, that love Missio to death. Um, very eccentric looking people yeah. most of the time. Any color of hair, lots of different hair colors. And wearing all black, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but, but what I love is you're, like, the way I, I, I look at what you just said is you're leaning in on your fans. You're not saying, look, I need to go grab somebody else and bring them in or try to focus on them. I'm leaning in on who likes us. And you know what? Others will come in as, they, as we grow. Yeah, right? the thing that shocked me that, like, again, I think it makes sense when you kind of dig into what our personalities are, but, like, when we first started with a song like Middle Fingers, for example, and, like, a lot of our stuff is pretty aggressive, um, we didn't know exactly what kind of fans we were going to attract. And so, but what's been kind of honestly insane from the very beginning has been this thoughtful and sensitive type person who hasn't yet... Yeah, rejected and not fit into the society like who I mean who doesn't feel like that so there's so many but there's just like I, it blew our minds how thoughtful and sensitive they, they were so 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 let's transition to fuck it Thursday how did that come about 
Dude, honestly, I was on a hike, and the whole the whole fucking time, and I was probably 45 minutes in, I could not stop thinking about the fact that I needed to say what I was going to say. And I was like, fuck, man, like, I, I didn't even want to have my phone on me, and, like, it was, it, so I ended up pulling my phone out and just sharing a bit of vulnerability, because we, we were talking a lot about um, the fact that we had kind of lost touch in a way with being as open as we used to be. I think because we, we were guarding ourselves in a lot of different ways, and there was a part of us that felt like letting people in too much was a little weird, and we just wasn't our vibe. And so it stemmed from wanting to be genuine with them by just opening up a little bit. And it turned into just literally at the end joking and being like, ah, fuck it, Thursday. But sure enough, the response from being vulnerable that day, people loved it. And we were like, dude, we need to stop being so perfectionistic and stop trying so hard and just throw content out there and see what works. And if it doesn't work, great. If it does work, awesome. And sure enough, a lot more of our organic, um, very like, like encouraging people to be open about their own vulnerabilities is the stuff that really sticks the most. So it just kind of turned into a thing unexpectedly from being honest. Oh, I, I love it. Love why, it. why Thursday? It was on a Thursday. <laughs> Thursday happened. No, 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 no. It makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. Uh, no. What was, in terms of the music side, and I'm curious because I think a lot of people overthink things and I'm a believer of not having a plan. And I only learned this because of doing this for so long. I know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there, though. And, I, and it's, it's going to be an organic route by me seeing what's happening, what's working, what doesn't, constantly changing. From your music, what's been the most, like, song-wise, what song have you been most surprised about that took off that you just didn't think was going to happen? Because I think that's where it's like, you know what, don't care. Just let it go and see what happens. Uh, my, the bottom of the deep blue sea, and I, I can have to explain why. Because uh, when we wrote that first record, Loner, uh, that was both of our favorite songs on the record. But as like, for what, just, I don't know what this says about our personality, but because of years of just like self-deprecating thoughts, we neither of us picked that song as the one that would most be the favorite of everybody. We just assumed that, oh, that was going to be our weird artist song that we liked and no one else was going to like it per the usual with, with, as, as, a, as an upcoming artist. That's what you think. And then for that one to just raise its hand naturally, like never really getting like the moment or the, the push behind it, it just naturally stood up and became... Um, one of the top two or three stream songs on that record. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, if you look back, yeah. What, as, as somebody who owns and runs a lot of businesses, um, how do you, how do you stay organized? Because I think that's, that's something that we've been trying to figure out on our end is, when you have so many things going at one time and you've got releases and you've got just like press and PR and shit, it's hard to stay organized sometimes. What are some of the tricks and tips that you found um, just in your own world that, that has helped a lot? I, I think it's, uh, I think it first starts and you guys have that. There's two of you. And I have my, I have a brother who's in this business and we're very different, very different. 
um, but I can trust him and I rely on him. And it's building out that network of people that you can rely on, you can trust, and building that, and it takes time, but building that network internally of people that you can let go things to. At the end of the day, I'm still going to make the decision because I want to be the one that fucks it up. I want to be the guy. You hold on to those old principles and take them forward. But you're having people who you can communicate with and talk with and shoot ideas and get them to be open and honest. And you, my whole thing is it's not about whose idea it is. It's about executing the good ones. I don't care whose it is. So it's, it's tough though. It's tough to let go. It's tough. But what I think is unusual is most people I talk to, and I think that's a plus with, with you two, it's an individual. So they don't have somebody else. That's what makes it hard. At least you guys have each other to bounce shit off of. Um, That's what makes it easier. You have somebody else. Um, And, and, you know, I'm always surprised. I'm always surprised how far people have gone who are alone because that's hard, man. That's hard. Does that make any sense? Totally. I I 1000% agree with that. I don't think, I don't think I would be this far into this career by myself, honestly. Sure. I mean, there are people there. Russ said, again, it's a great analogy. And I use that as an example. Uh, You need people who big you up. And I just did a presentation for our distributor in New York. And uh, I had a picture, I had two slides and probably 12 pictures of my mother. And my father's been in the liquor business 45 years. I didn't have him in there. I had my mother. Cause she fucking was there. She was there. The worst of times she wants to sell her jewelry for me, do anything she can. She's wearing our fucking paraphernalia every single day. She's 90 years old. She's rollerblading. She's calling accounts and saying our name just so the account can hear. It's like, it's like, it's like in the old day, you call a record store and ask, Hey, do you, uh, do you, do you have this song? You have this group called Mizio. Like she do that just so you hear the name, but you need fans <laughs> like that. Like that's the shit that's inspiring. Is that, you, is that, does that make sense? Hell yeah, dude. It's awesome. Anyway, sorry, you lost me. So tell me, I, I need to hear this story about being in Czech Republic and being kicked out, basically. Yeah, so we're, we're on our bus, and it's, uh, it's like 3.34 in the morning. We had just played um, a show in Berlin, Germany, and we were, I think it was Berlin, uh, but uh, we were crossing the border and you know you don't get stopped over there you just drive right through there's so it was a very unexpected wake up and everyone's half asleep walking down and in those buses you literally can't see out until you turn the corner and so we turn the corner and there's a group of people in hazmat suits with guns temperature guns pointed right at your forehead as you're getting off the bus uh you know this was kind of before all the covid craziness happened this was right at the front edge of it and uh, that ended up being completely terrifying. Thank God no one had a temperature on the bus. Well, this uh, this is pre-news too. So like now it's normal to see people in hazmat suits. Back in end of February, early oh, March, no. was, dude, it, it felt like World War Z at 3 a.m. I mean, I was the last person off the bus, and I, I came out and I was terrified because I was like, "Are we gonna be stuck here? Are we gonna be able to leave? Like, what the fuck is the deal?" And then sure enough, we got to the venue the next morning, shows canceled, made it to Poland the next day, shows canceled. And we had to make the decision then and go, 
again, trusting our guts. People were telling us, no, you guys should finish it. We're like, fuck you, dude. Like, we're not going to stay yeah. here with this bullshit. So we, we made it out just in time um, as Trump announced that he was going to shut the borders down, essentially. So it was weird times, man. <laughs> Is is everything is every song you guys do based on some type of inspiration in your life that's occurring that's happening? Yep, one thousand yeah. percent. I think that is the beauty of why our fans have resonated with the music so much because it's never put on. It's never this. Hey, we need to write some fucking club banger. Uh, it's always hey, we can write a club banger, but it's going to be to lyrics that are raw and, and, and honest and things that we've experienced. So like a lot of this new record is about us traveling the world for the first time and experiencing new cities, new cultures, new people, um, still dark shit, dealing with spirituality, dealing with our own ideologies and how those were changing and transforming. And like, it's those little things that people can, can get in touch with themselves and go, oh, I don't necessarily know exactly what your experience is, but I have my own experience that I can speak into and then they, you know, will, will present the, the lyric to whatever fits them. So it's been really cool to see that it, it is, it's affecting people on such a deep level because of the, the real experience. So, so tell, tell me about KDV and the name. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's, it should be called Killing Darth Vader. I'm just going to put that shit out there. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, legal reasons, I guess you can't put the, the character oh, in the title of the song. I didn't know it's, that. It's, I didn't know it. that. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think about that. that. Yeah, so uh, for Killing Darth Vader, uh, that was the last song of the Lunar session. And we had, so we had written every, uh, all the songs, it was the last day. We still had one day left of studio, like time on the books. And so we all went in there and we're just like, we had no more demos to work through, nothing. And so we're like, uh, let's just try to create the biggest kick drum sound we can imagine and go from there. So, you know, we're listening like super loud to kick drums and I'm scrolling through them and we're layering and throwing 808s on. It's like, and we're, and there's a basic pattern. You think like this, uh, the speakers, there's all these bobbleheads laid out and one is literally <laughs> it's, uh, Darth Vader. It's actually the little Family Guy Stewie version of Darth Vader to be specific. And, uh, <clears throat> Anyways, everything was just going, going, going because of the low end, and we, uh, we found the one, and he actually fell off and uh, broke his head. Oh, I love it. And Dwight, our producer, is sitting back there, you know, killing Darth Vader with that motherfucking kick drum, and we just fucking oh, I love it. In, sang I it, it. <laughs> and then it was that was it. You know, we built it I love there. it. It's so stupid, dude. Yeah. It's so fucking. Stupid. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll tell you guys about each of my brand names and how they came about. But that's that's the best though, because that's that's where inspiration comes from. You need that. You need that. Yeah. It keeps it raw I think that's and real. the fun I was talking about. You know, we like to have fun in the studio. Sometimes it means turning a knob that you shouldn't be turning on an instrument yep. or something, making it sound disgustingly bad in a good way, or sometimes it's just following wherever the flow is going, you know, and not being afraid it, to say fuck it. Any any regrets? Anything you regret you would have done differently? Changed something? Besides KDV's title, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Besides that, yes. Yeah, man, I we're trying to sell this Sprinter that we bought a couple of years ago, and 
that thing has been such a pain in my fucking ass over the last couple of years that just because it's, it's like we're just gone all the time and we, yeah. we outgrew it too fast. So <laughs> that was the problem. We made this great, like, calculated, like, all right, we buy the Sprinter now. When we slow grow, we'll do this. We'll be in the Sprinter. As soon as we did a tour in a bus and once we got into that, we're just like, we're not going to use the Sprinter again <laughs> yeah. ever because the bus is way better than the Sprinter. Yeah, it's, we, show, we joke about it all the time. It's like the one thing. Like, God damn that yeah. fucking Sprinter. So, so, so. So, David, it was okay that Matthew moved in with you? That was acceptable to you and your wife? Yeah, you know, we, so, uh, we had gotten married uh, the year previously, and I had a whole bunch of band guys in my house, and different, like, I was, that, I was, a, it was a rehearsal studio, basically, I was making records in my house, and then I got married, everyone moved out, and we had a year together, and we loved that, and we would, all, we would definitely do that, but we were also... Um, starving artists and we had an extra room so we started like casually putting the feelers out because we were just trying to make it you know and uh, Matthew just happened to be right place right time so I'm curious when did you're not Matthew you're not still living there no I, I actually moved this last January so yeah. how was that decision made dude so pro for for like I'm just going to say that could have been a very awkward conversation because there came a point where it was just ready for both. Everyone was just kind of like, there was not arguments. There was, everyone was just like, it probably makes sense for everybody for yeah. you to move out now. And well, it, yeah, it was like his wife had just got a new job and I, I could tell like we were kind of getting off the road a little bit and I could just get the vibe like they needed their house back. And I was also, I'm, I'm an introvert, and I love being by myself, and I was ready to get out because I just wanted to just have my own place. And so it's been, but honestly, it's been so amazing because this year, obviously, I think I would have yeah. gone batshit crazy being, not with anybody, just being in a house yeah. this long with the same yeah. people. So Makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it worked out. So I, I'm, I'm curious, before we, before we go into something else real quick, I'm curious because I was thinking to myself, I, I get even I have my team send me a list of songs uh, if you're not in the music business of songs that the person I'm going to be interviewing tells me about them. So I'm actually curious if I tell you three songs that I really like what you guys think it t says about me. So the three songs I really like is Everybody Gets High, Twisted, which I love, and Middle Fingers, which, is, which I love. So what do you think that says about me? Yeah. <laughs> really? Really? That's pretty awesome, dude. Sense? Yeah. Well, like, so for instance, what, how I read into that is um, those are definitely more of our, I would say a little bit more aggressive and kind of outside the box tracks, which I think is cool because uh, a lot of times people would be like, oh, I like Bottom of the Deep Blue Sea or I like I See You, tracks that are kind of down the middle and, and a little bit more populating. Those songs are weird and eccentric. And, and I, I, we are both weird and eccentric, which is why I, I love it. Those songs. Yeah. So I, I, I love that those are your, your top three. So when, when I heard Twisted for the first time, I'm like, I want to be that. I, I, want, I want to be that. That's my goal. A natural goal. I don't mind that. I love the, I, again, those are the three songs that resonated with me. Hell yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. have um, a family, by the way? Do you have kids, wife, anything? Oh, my God. I'm on my sixth. You have six kids? 
I'm about to have my sixth kid, this old thing here. Wow. Dude. Yeah. Okay, so so we have we have a new song come out um, called Vagabond. And it's kind of about just being in a business that keeps you busy and trying to maintain relationships. So you being, I'm sure, a, a busy-ass guy, how do you maintain your relationships with your kids and your, your significant other when you have so much going on? Oh, well, I'll give you an example. Three of my kids, six, five, and three, uh, did a horrible job listening to us last night. So there's a toy they really want, a Peppa Pig set. So I've, I, the way I look at life is as follows. I gave them three options because they were very bad and they don't get to open the toy. One, I'm throwing the toy out. Two, <laughs> I'm giving the toy to another family so those kids could play with it. Or three, I get to play with the toy and I'll send them pictures of me playing with the toys. <laughs> All three kids chose number three. So that's me. I have to put a twist on it, twisted. I got to put a twist on it. Otherwise, it's no fun. It's no fucking fun. There you go. Yeah. That, that's my answer. So, awesome. guys, before I let you go, I do something real quick. It's just rapid fire word association. Ready? So I'm going to say some things. You give me one word. Middle fingers. Fuck that's you. <laughs> Wolves. Everywhere. Scary. Missio Mafia. Badass motherfuckers. Love. The Killers. Really amazing. Awesome band. Awesome. He's Blue, Blue October band. Homies. Thankful. Uh, hold on. Vic Fuentes. Badass motherfucker. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Young blood. Interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. Fun yeah. tour. Thirty seconds to Mars. Ah oh, shit. Uh, Ukraine. We played a festival with them. Uh, poncho jacket. <laughs> I have a funny story. It's okay. Can you feel the sun? One of my, fuck, man, there's too many words. Favorite song. Important. So one of my favorite bands by far, The Cure. Sick. <laughs> That's a good one. Ditto. Inspiration. Ditto. <laughs> All right. Guys, I, I'm, I am huge fans. I'm a, sorry. I'm a huge fan. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. It's for inspirational. It's gut. It's raw. Uh... Um, I think it's neat to connect through music and then you get to meet somebody. You were like, wow, these guys are so cool. It's awesome. And I, I, I wish you all the best. I wish you so much success. If there's anything I'd possibly do, please ask. Um, and, and like, uh, your biggest fan says they're like Imagine Dragons, except awesome <laughs> and on cocaine. I'll leave it at that. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Swear, keep your distance, wear your masks. All right. All right. All right. Thank Thanks. you, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.